Hi, I'm Amy Blackthorne, and this is Blackthorne Grove. For those of you who are new to the podcast, blackthornsbotanicals.com has some great teas, ritual oils, magical candles, and more for the next bit. I know not everyone can get to the podcast right away. I'm going to put up a podcast-only coupon code code podcast all lowercase on blackthornsbotanicals.com for 20% off anything you find in the store try and help as best I can and and apparently Lilu agrees that's blackthornsbotanicals.com and offer code podcast all lowercase hello hi Oh my god. So for those of you who are just joining us, uh Mortalis and I have been talking for an hour and a half and we just decided, you know what, we should record some of this for the podcast. Uh, so rambling on with two authors. <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna talk about ridiculous things to use for magic and we might get to that at some point, but I am enjoying Mortalis's company. They're they're my favorite. So they can be your favorite too. Aww. You are also one of my very favorites. I can't say my favorite. That feels mean to other people I love. <laughs> you are my very favorite person named Amy in this Zoom room right now. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my I'm kids, okay with it. Well, the kids will be like, am I your favorite? I'll be like, you're my favorite person named Luna in the whole world. Just my favorite one. <laughs> Since we were talking about the candy shop um, around the corner for me, I had to pull out the giant candy oh, buttons. Oh my gosh. Where's Molly when we're doing candy and chatting? I feel like <laughs> I should call her. <laughs> hey, do you want to hang out on Zoom? I'm actually going to text her because, yeah, do it. because this needs to happen. <laughs> but back to adventures and ice cream. So for those of you just tuning in, I was telling Amy about one of my weird hobbies so I, I saved up my pennies at one point to get like a little fancy Cuisinart ice cream maker thing and by fancy I mean I am mostly poor so it cost like 60 bucks and I felt bad that's <laughs> it's the punchline but I love making just whatever flavor popped into my head of ice cream and one day I said to my spouse I was gonna make toast ice cream Ooh. and he said that was not a thing a person could do and I decided that it was. <laughs> You're darn skippy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's going to interrupt in short measure because I asked if he'd bring me the book that inspired this recipe as well as a cup of tea because I'm that spouse. Please, pretty please. <laughs> so BPAL has a perfume called, or they they may not add at the moment, called Bread and Butterfly. And I swear to God, it's a perfume that smells like toast with a little bit of butter on it. So there's this book I love that I found in a thrift store one day a very long time ago. And I can't think of what it's called. He's bringing it to me, but um, basically it's one of those books from the 1800s. That's like, this is everything you need to know forever. <laughs> Here's a horse husbandry and also how to make brandy. <laughs> like, I love shit like that. Uh, you can see behind me, I have like all these little tiny old books down here. If it's a quarter at a yard sale, I'll probably buy it. So I get my I get my weird book home and I'm I'm reading it and I'm enjoying my whatever wacky stuff. 
and uh, he's telling me he can't find it. Nevertheless, there's a section in there that's called Cookery for Invalids. <laughs> okay. I know. And I read through this section and thought to myself, man, nobody wanted anybody eating these recipes to get better because there's this. <laughs> One of the recipes is toast water. You're to make toast and put it in a cup of hot water like it's tea and let it sit and steep. And then you strain the toast out and you give it to the person. That's their food or whatever. I'm sorry to sit, Grandma. Drink some bread liquid. <laughs> That's totally a thing. My, uh, my uh, fr- an old friend would swear, swear that the, the best cure for a hangover was bread in milk and then you just drink the milk and it's like this is a thing that people my, do for purpose and my grandma used to make something called a posset you're at a posset mm-hmm. a posset is like it's warm milk and there's honey and there's whiskey no small measure and <laughs> you take like a little cheesecloth or whatever or not it depends on the recipe you put oatmeal in there mm-hmm. and it's kind of like making overnight oats they they steep in the whiskey and the milk and get soft but they're not most of the beverage so you're drinking the the hot milk and the whiskey and the spices and whatever and the honey and you're also drinking this oatmeal and it's sort of weirdly pleasant and it's a thing you have when you're sick or whatever and it's great that sounds awesome yeah they make special cups for it actually um posset cups are funny looking little like mugs but they have a, a spout on the side so that you can drink the liquid under the oatmeal. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. But so here I am thinking, how am I going to make toast ice cream? And I figured out, I, I thought of that recipe. It's like, I'll steep, I'll make the toast, I'll steep the toast in heavy cream. And I'll use that to make my ice cream. And I did, and I swirled it with jam because I wanted like jam and toast. And uh, I remember my spouse being so fucking mad about it. <laughs> I, because it was good or because it was awful because it tasted like toast he didn't think i could do it but uh, <laughs> i took pieces of, of nice toast and cut it up into croutons basically and tossed it in a little sugar syrup in a pan until it crisped so that it would be protected from the ice cream and i swirled it in it was great and wonderful and then i never made it again <laughs> summarily <laughs> forgot about it um but uh, yeah, I, I love just like whatever I thought of today, ice cream. It's, it's my favorite little hub. <laughs> That's fantastic. I was looking through, uh, Michael's keeps sending me these texts saying, hey, come and buy all our crap because it's Halloween and we want your money because everybody knows that <laughs> that's really all I do is I buy the Halloween stuff and keep it up year round. <laughs> um, so... I'm looking at they're having a 40% off sale so I'm scrolling through the little list of things and they have spine candles it's just like a section of vertebrae into like the shape of a taper I love that stuff and meanwhile I'm like those are not anatomically accurate (laughs) (laughs) well neither is the octopus with (laughs) vertebrae for arms but I'm okay with it (laughs) so I'm my, my brain is just rolling over what can I do? Use this for? And it's like, uh, duh. You need, need to grow a spine. Here's a spine candle. <laughs> you need to, you know, it's uh, magic and kind of like, yeah. My bone is my bones are crap. I need magic. Yes, absolutely. Millie agrees with us. <laughs> Did you hear that? 
She's no, wearing I... her she's wearing her rubber ducky pajamas, and I won't let her outside to roll on the mud in them. One of my favorite um, sort of Halloween decoration things is anything made out of bones that shouldn't have them. <laughs> <laughs> or the wrong bones look it's a spider made of bones oh no <laughs> I, I always tell myself it's just like a really bored and lonely necromancer working with what they got you know i just have a lot of femurs and i'm gonna make a spider today <laughs> <laughs> yes these would be my friends um there's a i play tabletop role-playing games you know this about me but uh for your listeners uh, there's this creature called the Necrophidius that you can fight in the, in the <laughs> monster manuals. And it's basically just like a, a snake made out of a bunch of leftover bones and stuff with a human skull stuck on top, which I think is the funniest shit ever. <laughs> Everyone else goes, oh, ew, creepy. And I just think it's funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. In the background, you can hear my lovely spouse bringing me a cup of tea. This is the wonderful person who drew all the cute stickers we've all been mooning over joseph but 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 moth butts <laughs> cutest moth butt in history cutest indeed indeed i won't put him on the spot but he's he's back there he's hiding yeah i don't know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm excited about stickers. They're fun. You're coming from the printer soon, so basically any new orders will get them when they come in next week. Nice. I just think it's hysterical that people are like, ooh, Mothman is spooky. I just picture Mothman as like a rosy moth with a little with a little pink and yellow fuzzy butt. That's not a scary moth. I cannot think Mothman is scary and also know the little bit of lore that the tip of their penis glows. <laughs> That's very fucking funny to me that moth person, moth man has glowing eyes and the tip of their penis glows. Imagine that in the dark, just like. I thought glow in the dark condoms were bad enough. Just this bobbing thing coming at you, but no thing. Just the, just the tip. Just the tippy tip. This is just very funny to me. One of the fabulous humans that I am magically responsible for is loves, loves cryptids, all the cryptids. And so when I was at the West Virginia Pagan Pride two weeks ago, the Mothman Festival was also happening in Flatwoods. So a bunch of the vendors had some crossover. I totally bought her Mothman earrings. I texted her, I'm like, would you wear Mothman earrings if I bought them for you every day? Ashley says, I will wear them every day. And so I have to mail them to her. You remind me after this, I'll make sure you get a Mothman sticker for your friend. Oh, that... Yeah, that that would just make her whole life. <laughs> yeah. I, and it I, would remind me to mail out the earrings. <laughs> I always try and have fun stuff. I think, I don't know. I don't know if you experience this, but it's like when you're an author and it's this weird sort of position where you're sort of like, even if you aren't already, which I know we both are, it's, it's kind of like being clergy for the community because we don't really have that kind of structure. and. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's this tendency to take folks like you and I really seriously. And we have this image and that's who we are. And it's all very wise and important. But I really think that people should know unequivocally, without a doubt, that I'm an idiot. (laughs) 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 That I love really aggressively stupid things. (laughs) 
That's fantastic. It's like, here's here's a sticker because I love stickers and I cram them on everything. My laptop's covered on them that my spouse, whom I love, drew. These are little bits of my life. And it's Mothman's butt because I think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the little blushy cheek. It's super cute. <laughs> did, you, did you see the ghosts? The, the new yes. 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 Oh, all uh, four. Uh, he was doodling those for me and I was like but what if it was transparent and I made it holographic though (laughs) (laughs) I think we really need that in our lives no we're all people we we can't be good magical practitioners if we aren't whole and we can't be whatever that is all the time it's not the it's not the most of our lives we're human beings and we're fallible and we're silly at times and there are things we don't know and there are things we're bad at and there are things we like even though it makes no sense (laughs) i eat fruity pebbles for breakfast a lot y'all like yeah deal with me (laughs) i want i desperately have since the beginning of the pandemic i desperately have wanted to make rice crispy treats out of fruity pebbles just because i can Yes. Yes, 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 please. <laughs> I had to explain to someone the other day that fruity pebbles are not all individually flavored per each color. And that's the smell that you get. I'm like, no, that's just bergamot flavoring because it's cheap. <laughs> yes, correct. It tastes fruity. My One of my kids the other day determined that the individual pieces, though not individually flavored, um, do have a name. And they, they call the little pieces pebbies. <laughs> A singular piece is a pebby. I died just a little bit from the kids. I, I, t- <laughs> I tweeted that out and I tagged the cereal company in it and they were like, this is the cutest thing we've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> this is official now. It's in, the, it's in the books. Post liked it, so we have to... <laughs> <laughs> Bring that for later. And the pebbies, there's just something so cute about that. Similarly cute, but not as cute, I'm sure is millie in her rubber ducky pajamas i mean that's super cute though yeah (laughs) she wiggles out of the back two feet so she has more range of motion but she leaves the the arms in (laughs) i just want to tie the back legs into a little bow for her butt i do i have a dog also i i'm sure you know but uh i have a what are they even amora um donut is a springer spaniel something mix <laughs> stuff things dog <laughs> and donut is like most of us i think very very torn between being uh, a lap dog and wanting to sprint about the yard like fool and chase things yes like he's never quite sure what kind of dog he is but uh he's happy to be it <laughs> <laughs> love that dog he's a jackass though <laughs> Too hot too hot this day yes very hot but also delicious <laughs> i think it's the yorkshire gold oh that would be lovely i am um, our our local coffee slash tea shop where I, if i was out in the world and and i wanted a, a, a nice beverage i'll stop there they were closed over the weekend and i i needed something because i you know I can't, the medications that I'm on, I can't eat any foods, but I have, a warm beverage will help sort of smooth the way into my stomach, not, you know. So I actually 
stopped at a Starbucks for the first time in probably 10 years. <laughs> I was like, I know your chai comes from a syrup and it makes me sad, but also please that. <laughs> and so I had it. It was like, okay, I feel better about this. Their chai makes me sad inside, but yes, it's there and it's, it exists sometimes. Yes. I totally gave up on Starbucks after they refused to acknowledge death care workers um, during the pandemic. Yes. Oh, I had forgotten about that. Yep. They, uh, they were providing coffee to everyone helping on the front lines, but they specifically excluded death care workers, even though everyone listening, morticians are healthcare workers. <laughs> we are classified as healthcare workers. We are emergency response personnel. We are, you know last responders we joke but uh, we are healthcare statedly absolutely but they chose to leave us out on purpose singled us out which is ridiculous why why can we not have six ounces of terrible coffee on like the worst <laughs> day of our lives <laughs> please okay thanks it's, uh, it's ridiculous it is ridiculous I was going to ask you, though, uh, put you on the spot topic. Yes. Been kind of a thing going around. I've noticed a lot lately. And uh, we're both similar in a lot of ways. We, we both grew up kind of tough. And we're opposite in a lot of ways in how we live our lives. Like, I have three kids. I didn't mean to be a parent, but here we are. The world is weird like that. You're a no, a no kids person. And that's wonderful and great. But uh, I've been seeing this dialogue going around where a lot of people are talking about kids. Like, it's, it, I don't even have words for this. It's, it's the way people are talking about kids online. It's like, oh, it's awful. Oh, God. I can't even it's make awful. words around it. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. But because wow. they think it's funny to torment small children, it's like, okay, you don't want kids. That's fine. But right. why, why are you just the worst person ever? why is this like, okay to joke about why is this okay to say and like why are we even having that conversation and i get that sometimes there's this whole if something becomes a thing and that's bad you kind of have to run the other way right and i think paganism had a quote-unquote fertility cult problem for a long time and that's bad <laughs> and i think surrounds a lot of people's dubious ideas about what fertility means in the first fucking place but we that's a different okay. argument fucking put that over there haha <laughs> um yeah, and that's broken, and we have to deal with that. And then I think we could, went hard the other way, where we have this whole faction of people who are like, "Yeah, but no kids forever, and that's great, and kids are awful, and I, you know, kick them on the street or whatever." Why? <laughs> Why are we doing that to human beings? I honestly think that it's a, a response to the generation before us being so awful and refusing to go to therapy and taking all their trauma out on us, and it's like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the unresolved trauma about your stuff is still unresolved trauma like go get go to therapy don't mm -hmm. want kids that's fine but holy cow tormenting children in public because no one's looking like why why are you a person it's just it's so painful to see sometimes and it's like and it leads to misunderstandings and problems and things because it's like you hear something like this like, I don't even care if that was a joke that's the worst thing I've seen today because <laughs> I grew up with all this cruelty and yes and even if 
kids aren't for you and you can't stand kids and you hate them. That's all of that is fine. As long as it's your thing. Right. Don't take that out on somebody else. If you hate cats or whatever, that's cool. Don't be mean to them. Yeah. <laughs> that's crimes. <laughs> that is, yes, that's literal crimes. But yeah, like you're a person with intelligence. You know these kids are going to grow up and be other human beings. Why would you want to be the bad thing in their memory? Mm-hmm. On purpose. On, on like purpose. by accident is hard enough, but on purpose. Right. Why? And it's Why? Just this- it's this thing that I just see just sort of stewing and simmering in the background. It's just like this sort of meanness. And then we have fascists camping out in different traditions. And that's also garbage. Some days it just seems too much. And that, you know, bring yeah. up fruity pebbles and try to forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because, I mean, the number of um, open circles, we'll say, that make zero plans for people who have children like it still should be considered i know and it's like it shouldn't be recent history that for the first time a congressperson was able to bring their nursing infant onto the floor of congress like that only happened for the first time very recently yeah and it's like how many events do we have where it's like kids are not allowed and sure we all want spaces free of kids but you are inherently shutting people out when you do that like anyone nursing, anyone with small kids, the economically depressed who couldn't have childcare, mm-hmm. um, particularly, you know, harming people of color, um, single mothers, like you, you're really kicking diversity in the teeth when you do things like that. Yeah. Even if you're saying, oh, well, our event is free. That's great. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, how are they supposed to participate? If you, that's why I like the, the, the idea of pagan pride day is because most of them have a dedicated area for children and it's a free event if you can donate a food item fantastic but those communities are not excluded for lack of financial options right and i often volunteer for the kids areas to teach something or I do face painting and that kind of stuff i love doing that but um, yeah we got to find space for including the next generation of people because what are those kids going to grow up to be in our community if they've been excluded their whole lives their whole lives yeah it's really a tough uh, position uh i i have a friend who i've known goodness since i was probably 15 um we met on the on the bulletin boards at wicca.com the celtic connection in like 1993 um and she wound up leaving paganism because she um without intending to became a parent and there was no community for her there was no community support like the catholic church is all about community and community support for other catholics and it's like okay but where are people with kids supposed to go you you know if your coven doesn't make arrangements for you're just supposed to figure out child care how how are you part of the community if you can't leave your house right I mean, God bless the advent of Zoom. I have a gardenarian training coven. So of course we're earthbound. It's a mystery tradition, but I have still always, even in my 800 square foot home, y'all, I live in a tiny, tiny house. Um, it's always like, if you need to bring your kids, your pet, your spouse, whatever, do that. We'll figure it out. If we have to have circle in a yard or in my little office or whatever, while kids play and run around and make a mess, it's fine. 
because we've got to do what we've got to do to include each other. It makes me so happy. I, I mean, it's kind of the least we can do as people, though. It's I do not deserve a cookie for that. <laughs> it's just <laughs> being a person. <laughs> there were times that I couldn't do things because I didn't have support. Yes. You know, imagine how many amazing people, people that would put the both of us to shame are that just aren't here. Their voices aren't heard because they don't have support. Yeah. I'm really excited about an event I'm doing this weekend called Panpericon. Oh, and Panpericon is, um, it leans toward paranormal, but they have some occult pagany stuff. Um, and it's a free event and it's online. It's totally digital. So anybody that wants can come listen, participate, pop in. They have a digital tip jar for their speakers. Uh, speakers otherwise aren't paid. So tip your speakers if you have enjoyed listening and you can. Um, but the event is so welcoming and they put it in such an effort toward not just diversity, but true inclusion and i don't mean inclusive by most of the speakers are some flavor of queer and that's awesome and great but they make sure everyone can participate and that's wonderful you know what times work for you how can we do this in the beginning it was what weekend will we even do it that works for everyone best and that was wonderful to be included on that level but there's this clearly stated conversation that's like if your kids are running around in the background of your class, your presentation, we don't care. That's your life. Live it, you know? That's amazing. I think that's so wonderful because there's so many events that I could potentially speak at and don't because they don't even want your kids in the building in your hotel room. It's like if they're not welcome to walk into a classroom, if they have an emergency and need me, why would I feel welcome there either? There's a radio show whose name I will not mention because they're I'm not driving any traffic towards them. Um, who expected someone to rent a hotel room for this free interview that they were doing because they they demand that you have a, a landline. Like who even has a landline anymore? <laughs> yeah, I, I, had I, a, I had a similar thing recently. <laughs> I had a landline, but I didn't have a phone. Like I had to go out and buy a phone for this landline that I don't use. And it's like you they actually expected another speaker to rent a hotel room for a phone call and being as how the the timing was that the, the interview started at 3 a.m my time and you want someone to be coherent for this rapid fire assault of questions it's oh just how God. how do you get any guests at all <laughs> i i think i know the show you're talking about you definitely do I recently had an interview scheduled with them and I canceled it at the last minute, which made everyone very angry, by the way, because the host had apparently, I, I got this information from someone who works on the show, but had asked that my bio be edited before it went up on their website and they uh, regendered all, all the pronouns to feminine pronouns and gendered my children, which I don't do in my bio. Uh, and I found that so deeply distasteful that I told them to politely eat a dick. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no, I, don't. I don't care how many listeners you have. That's you don't do that to people. Mm -mm. When I logged in and I saw 
priestess and she and her and them and lady and wife and getting down to seeing my kids names and knowing they had to look up my teenager on social media to find a gender for them that mm. really got up my butt <laughs> to have none of that absolutely not There is a spectacular string of swear words that is lingering in the back of my brain. Like the kind of swearing that a raccoon would come up with. <laughs> Just like lingering in the back of my brain for this, the way that people treat. Yeah. Especially non-binary persons. It just, uh, makes, it, it curls my hair. That's a funny place to be, right? It's... It is funny to know intellectually you fall under the trans umbrella and not really use that word for yourself because I feel like other parts of that umbrella have such a difficult time that I don't, I don't want to take that from them. And in my my weirdly straight passing life, it's it's weird to be super fucking gay and have a really straight appearing situation. It's <laughs> the weirdest thing, right? But. Uh, yeah, I think non-binary folks get a, an odd sort of treatment in the community, particularly in the pagan community, because it seems like even the areas of the community that are welcoming to trans folks, it's like, we get you if you're picking a camp. Right, right. But if you want to live in the no man's land, if you, want, exactly. you don't get a say. Magic is non-binary until you're a non-binary person. <laughs> Pick a side, you horrible shrew. We <laughs> Weirdly, I have similar feelings about being a bisexual person who has nice. recently started dating. Um, it's because I would, I, I'm looking for a woman loving woman relationship. And I'm being told that I can't have that because I might someday at some point want to date a male presenting person. Yeah. That and it's a, like, it's such a weird thing. I too identify as non-binary and I define non-bisexual -bi words. I can't think today. My ADHD medication doesn't exist. Everyone listening, there's a national shortage. Getting distracted. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I too identify as bisexual, which I define as like myself and different from myself yes <laughs> it has nothing to do with men and women per se but yes and it's been that way since the the term was forever. coined in the 80s i know it, it's a funny little thing and i uh i'm trying to find words to frame up the experience but it's really weird to be non-binary and bisexual and polyamorous because there's this assumption that you are always the wrong thing for someone yes. you're either you're bisexual so you're flighty or you're not really gay you're just playing around or whatever uh, if you're non-binary you're some dubious thing that nobody quite wants um and being polyamorous if you're married everyone assumes that you're like some kind of unicorn hunter or something like you're Oh, you're just seeking a threesome for your marriage or whatever. He's, no, I'm an entire person separate from that. <laughs> I have a whole life. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, for those of you playing the home game, we just literally did the same head gesture at the same time. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's like, I, I don't get it. And I see 
poor Matt and Devin and Storm and Chaz post about it to them. Because they're some of the most wholesome polyamorous people in the community. I'd love them yes. all. But <laughs> yeah, it's carry them weird. in my pocket. It's weird how people think that polyamory isn't real somehow. Mm-hmm. You like everybody's jealous and horrible. It's like, no, some people actually just, you know are in tune with themselves and each <laughs> other and love each other wholly and fully as they are and everything else yeah or that so- somehow you'll find the right person and settle down forever with one person it's like i i did the married thing that's not a, that's not where i'm at <laughs> no thank you i found a right person and i love them and i married them and i have babies with them that doesn't mean i'm incapable of loving other people and that is so weird because no one literally fucking no one would ask you to pick a sibling or a child or a A friend a friend you can just have the one though (laughs) you can forever one person forever everything else is fake and to kind of fall into that that mindset, I don't know, it devalues every relationship in your life. Yes. It says nothing is real but this one thing. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. And it's supposed to be above everything else in your life. It's super gross. It's pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> and my spouse and I uh, read the Khalil Gibran about mm-hmm. each other on marriage when we married. And, and I really love that as a definition for relationships. It's, be like the pillars of the temple which are they stand together but they are separate it's almost like the chuppah at a jewish wedding and it's it's just the most beautiful thing i i i feel like this is this is a lot of effort to put on one ceremony but it feels like um so dear friends were married and i was lucky enough to be invited to the wedding and it just felt like that seeing community and family and friends hold up the chuppah for this beautiful couple declaring their life for their community was probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It is beautiful. Yeah, this is like a strange amount of pressure when you sort of don't bend to those societal norms and it's it's weird to always be treated like you're after something or if you're polyamorous you must be interested in everyone in your life spoilers i am not i am aggressive (laughs) (laughs) but also then you're like you're this sort of dorky non-binary awkward thing and it's like i don't even know how to flirt with people so you'd definitely know if i was trying to pick you up because i'd be bad at it (laughs) We're having a genuine conversation. I'm fine. When I get real awkward all of a sudden, guess what? Yep. I cracked one of those. Well, if this doesn't work out, and if you're, you know, still unmarried in 30 years, you can move into our basement and whatever. And someone sincerely took that as me hitting on them and got very upset. <laughs> I was like, did that? I genuinely don't know. Does that sound like hitting on you? <laughs> <laughs> if you're homeless in 30 years <laughs> oh gosh uh humor is a strange thing satire is dead and we, we've like built a throne of its corpse yeah. <laughs> yes i never quite know what's happening anymore the news has started to look more and more like the onion 
which is sort of impossible to parse and it's like, yes it makes it so weird to talk to people because you never quite feel like you know the right thing to say you're too serious or you're incomprehensibly sort of folksy and then it's maybe I overthink everything that's the answer but yeah I'm in a weird spot where I love the ideal polyamory and I, but I'm currently single and it's like okay theoretical poly theoretical <laughs> yes so I, I have to you know when I when I find someone that I want to start dating and engaging with it's like then we have to have that conversation so where where this is a spectrum where are we falling on that spectrum polyamory handbook is kind of a fun one and it, it talks a bit about that kind of dichotomy if you've never read it it's, it's a book i really like it talks about how to have those conversations with people so helpful. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good book actually and if, if you'd like i'll mail you my beloved battered copy tomorrow for a while that would be fabulous i have i have the ethical slut on my bookshelf but that's about it i'll make notes so i can remember This must be wonderful for your listeners to hear me scratching away at the back of an envelope. <laughs> this is a podcast. I'm bad at peopling. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it is a funny thing where you you spend so much time in the community as an author, and it's like you're an expert on stuff. And then I'm sure it's very humorous for listeners to hear us kind of like trying hey, to people. figure out how to live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to exist. Well, that's the thing. I made I made that decision slash declaration to myself that I was that I would never date a fan because I feel like that's an uneven power structure greed that uh, I'm out then because I am definitely a fan oh <laughs> was that flirting I don't know <laughs> Can't tell. I, I, a plus for more tells <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, there's there's so many interesting things that I never thought I'd have to consider like I want, I want to friend all of the 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 profiles that come across my dashboard that say, you know, that they're witchy. Like, yes, we should be friends forever. But no, I can't date you because you might be a fan. <laughs> I need, I need to have enough in common with you that you understand where my life is and where I'm at. But also, I don't want to take advantage of anyone who's feeling particularly fabulous about me. That's it's a very odd place to try and navigate. It is definitely a weird place and i i'm theoretically poly as well i haven't dated outside uh my marriage in like four years since the twins were born really last last relationship was kind of a bummer had a bad breakup but uh cheating in poly is bad it's like just tell me you're dating someone else's like that's the point but, the, the ethical <laughs> in the but we won't go there and then you know i had kids and it's like what is my body even and your life gets all weird and there's part of me i think the necromancer half of me that's like all the things that happen to your body over time are such a beautiful part of the story of life and you're watching that real-time decay of who you are and, and there is really something beautiful about that death of self Mm-hmm. watching something change it's kind of like gosh it's like watching foxgloves go from these beautiful flowers to these little skulls over time 
they never yes. stop being cute. But I do wonder if somewhere along the way the foxglove stops to look at their torso and go, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> <No? laughs> my flowers are drooping a little bit. I don't know how I feel about this. What if, do people still want to pick me? It's a funny thing. Getting older is strange. It's like you wake up one day and realize you're 40, but you still feel 17 inside and you don't know when that happened. About five minutes ago. About five minutes ago, that's when. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone younger than like 30 listening to this conversation, that'll hit you like a feather floating on the breeze one day. It won't be a ton of bricks when you realize you're 35 or 40 or 41. One day it will just creep up on you. <laughs> you won't <laughs> feel any fucking different. It will just be this number and it will be so strange. And I would like to say embrace the magic of that and really hold it in your mind what a changeless being you are while this this creature you occupy carries around all the weight of your choices and your life's experiences the body is such a magical part of the soul because it is our link to this corporeal world and it does carry all those marks of a life while we sort of eternal and changeless remain separate and whole from that but i know that you won't it'll feel strange and you'll feel that weight of that body pressing against you every day and you'll feel like something is lost or wrong and you'll wonder when that AARP package with <laughs> pants is coming. When do you get the glass grapes to put in your kitchen? Where do they come from? <laughs> <laughs> and that package will never come. And you wonder why previous generations looked so satisfied to be 40 and wearing their you know embroidered vest from you know belks over their blouse with their tropical colored capri pants and whatever 40 year olds are supposed to do like they look so comfortable being their age yes i look at like my spouse's parents in their 60s and it's like you look so at home being 60 years old and i at 40 I'm still fine playing in the ball pit. I'm, <laughs> I'm super cool with the idea of jumping in the ball pit. That's just fine with me. Like I want to go to the amusement park and I want to play with video games and I want to eat fruity pebbles for breakfast. And I just, when are we told how to be an adult? <laughs> yeah, I want, that's the packet I never got. <laughs> I, and I, it's so odd to me as a person because I got run over by a tractor trailer when I was like two minutes past my 21st birthday. So all of the stuff people talk about, well, when you're old, everything hurts. Well, I got that shit over with, I got that shit over with very young. And so I didn't go out and party in my twenties because I was in a wheelchair. Like I I was in a lot of pain. Like I was told I'd never walk again. I I spent my twenties recuperating from a, a life ending event. And so these just awful people who are like, well, you think you hurt now, wait till you're old. And it's like, you have no idea what breaking every single bone in your body feels like, but I guarantee you, I hurt more than you do. And it's not, a, it's not, it's not the trauma Olympics. Like you don't get a gold medal for having it worse than somebody else. Right. Stop being a dick. It's like, 
I, I, you said something very real there. I too have heard that like, oh, when you're older, you'll know because your knees will creak or your whatever, this, that, and the other thing. But it's like, hi, when I was about seven years old, my father kicked me off the roof of a house and I landed in a pile of construction rubble. And when I was able to stand up again, uh, they yelled at me to finish carrying materials up a ladder to that roof everything has always hurt yes <laughs> always and i don't know what that marker looks like what is that measure yeah i was three i this is an estimate of course um i got thrown off a cliff like a bodily my father picked me up and and yeeted me into the atmosphere um dad's throwing you off of stuff right <laughs> assholes um and so i can remember being in the second grade and throwing my back out and having to spend a week on my back on the floor like on a towel with my knees up on a pillow and people are like oh when you're bad you when you're old you're back well then apparently i was old in the second grade i don't know what to tell you (laughs) right exactly my sister and i were talking about this the other day just those sort of weird things that those experiences do to you like you you lose a little sense of where you fit in a space mm-hmm. one of my least favorite things is when uh these conversations will happen where people will sort of sort of organically start talking about childhood memories or like school or holidays or whatever vacations whatever the topic is and inevitably it comes around to you and there's yes. this expectation that you are going to be the, the person to share something yeah, it's like, um, oh my shit is traumatic. You don't want to hear that. Right. You either awkwardly say nothing or you contribute something you think is fine until everyone's faces start changing. And they say, I'm sorry. Yeah, you get the pat on the shoulder like, oh, honey, I didn't realize that was, you ruined the occasion or whatever. the mood has come down. Yes. <laughs> this is what I can contribute. Trauma. I think growing up like that sort of dooms you to a lifetime of customer service voice. <laughs> yes! You're oh sort of always performing, fitting in anywhere, <laughs> which is weird. This is a weird thing. What are you supposed to do about it? It's just... You just get through each day the best you fucking can. <laughs> yes. I think that's, that's going to go on my tombstone. <laughs> that, and she smelled good. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so Kane swears that he's going to make sure there's a whiteboard on the back of my tombstone so he can write Amy quotes on the back of it <laughs> I love it oh man that's a fun uh, that's a fun thought is you know what your, your headstone will be I want to be cremated I don't want to be buried Yes. Uh, but I would like a cenotaph it's one of my favorite words it's a marker oh, where my. someone isn't buried <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of those in the world but I always wanted um uh, it's in my you know final plans or whatever but i want a bench donated to a local park yes and i want a plaque on it and kind of my only requisite is that the plaque has to say that i was a witch um one is kind of thumbing my nose at the local community that has treated me fairly well poorly but (laughs) i really just want to become whatever that legend is because like I want teenagers to dare themselves to sit on the witch bench at midnight on Halloween or something. Like if you say that person's name 12 and a half times, they, they show up <laughs> and say, what the fuck's wrong with you? And 
here's a sandwich. Have a good night. Because inevitably things like that sort of become so they take on a life of their own and it will be separate from me. I'll never get to know what that will be. But that's sort of the nature of small towns and anything with the word witch on it disconnected from the person it belonged to. Witches are beloved as objects or ideas or legends or memories, not so much in the Actual flesh. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting the, I get the door ringing now, so. <laughs> yeah, right. But when we're dead, you know, they'll put a plaque where your house was and they'll say, this is where famous local witch Amy Blackthorne lived, right? <laughs> That's what they Kristen swears she's going to turn my house into a museum. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They'll have to turn my garden shed into the museum of Mortellus because <laughs> that's been my life. At least it'll be portable. We can drag it around from town to town. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling exhibits. Yeah. No, it's it's weird to think about yourself like that, I think. But fun. It, it is fun. Like, how would you like to be remembered or thought of? Or how would you want people to interact with your death outside of your immediate family and your funeral? We don't really think about that much. That's the thing. We have we're in an awesome position because the works that we have created will outlive us. I will have your book on my shelf for nine trillion years. The you know Blackthorn's botanical magic will exist in Tibet, you know, a hundred years from now. (laughs) So it's we know what our legacy is partly, even if we don't know what it fully going to be later I was listening to the um serious xm on the way to therapy this morning we're doing walk and talk in the park now so it's awesome uh especially today was 68 degrees and a nice breeze like it's perfect fall weather and so i'm listening to the radio and the the radio host is having a similar conversation with himself about how the things that we experience our our hours and our experiences are true and valid and ex- but no nobody has your experience and when we cross over that experience is lost save for whatever we've been able to produce and so he was talking about what things have you seen with your own eyes that you'll carry with you as a part of that person's legacy and somebody responded um david and someone responded that they've seen Starry Night in person, which I have, and it's gives me goosebumps. And my response was, you know, they they want they're talking about these incredibly well funded, huge museums that are world famous and these singular arts that are in, immediately recognizable even by small children. But I had something sort of the opposite of that. There's a little museum in Baltimore. Uh, just a, a stone's throw away from the uh, the Inner Harbor on Federal Hill is this museum called the American Visionary Art Museum. And there, it's like a museum of kitsch, and I love it. The exterior of the building is mosaiced in cobalt glass and mirrors. There's a there's a twelve foot tall egg made out of it's a disco egg. It's just mirrored glass mosaic onto this giant egg that's sticking out into the parking lot it's awesome and like john waters has a permanent collection in this museum and uh a few years ago i went it was a complete lark i just decided i was going that day and i went and they had the most incredible beautiful exhibit that i i will carry with me to beyond my grave i'm sure 
it was um, different divinities of the African diaspora. They had the, the entire floor and whatever moved the artist they could submit. And so there was an eight foot tall La Sirene made out of sequins. Like, I cried thinking about this exhibit. It was the most beautiful thing they had. There was a, somebody took an antique bed and made a diorama for Rizzoli Freda out of found objects, like just littered around Baltimore and made the most beautiful art out of it. And I, like, <laughs> I get choked up thinking about this art that someone has created and they will never know the impact that they made on me as a person because we don't know each other. But that's the stuff that lives beyond tomorrow. Yeah. There's this quote that I love. I love it enough that it's on the homepage of my website. Because <laughs> we all die. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. I think that's something people really misunderstand about necromancy. Yeah as a type of magic it's not about reanimating the dead or resurrecting the dead or bringing things back or keeping things forever it's about moments it's about appreciating the decay in which we live and looking back across life and seeing how moment to moment it changes and necromancy is about what we leave and the stories that we tell and how they can bring someone back for a moment. You know, when we tell a story about someone we love, we have resurrected them for those that are listening in that second. And I think that's really precious. And we never know what those stories will be. We really don't. Uh, an example, we went, it's been like, almost five years ago now but we went to one of those like trampoline indoor things you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. yeah. um park a trampoline park yeah like the trampoline park um we'd gone to one and and you know we're playing with my oldest kiddo and my spouse uh being newly acquainted with the idea of being 30 uh at the time <laughs> overdid it <laughs> and uh, wound up in the bathroom throwing up oh no and he's <laughs> he ate lunch and then went jumping in this place <laughs> it's a terrible plan and he said here i am just like barfing my brains out he's like this is a loud and dramatic vomit like he's really going for it and he hears this little kid a stall over from him the little kid goes are you okay <laughs> oh no yeah i'm all right thanks and the kid leaves and they never see each other you know in my stories that that kid is the concerned citizen but in the kids stories joe is the is the vigorously vomiting adult you <laughs> <laughs> don't get to decide what the stories look like that bring us back from the dead <laughs> the idea always, go ahead he will always be the vomiting guy <laughs> stories i hope that guy ever stopped following he was just throwing up <laughs> the idea of these people that i have overcome being that that you know grown and changed as a person 
and the idea of the that broken Amy who's in the wheelchair and told they would never walk again, the fact that that broken, sad woman lives in people's brains makes me so sad. Yeah, I get that. I do sometimes wonder what what bit part I've played in other people's experiences and how I've passed through the story of their own lives and, and you just can't know the answer to that always and when you get yeah even if you could ask you're you're just never going to understand what where they where it is yeah we get these passing glimpses maybe of what we've been but it's it's a picture we never truly get to see and I, I think there's magic in that too you never get to see picture of where you are probably for the best probably <laughs> probably probably life is a funny thing though yes incredibly fragile and strangely resilient it's now, funny I, so <laughs> yes, I, always, go ahead. I always remind people that i have involved a person who after running a day's worth of errands and living their life, came home, unlocked their front door, tripped on the sill on flat, the flat fucking floor, and broke their neck and died. Just, they unlocked their door, they tripped, broke their neck on flat ground. But also, a woman fell from an airplane that crashed thousands and thousands of feet through the air into a swamp broke both legs I believe and wasn't found for like five days in crocogator infested waters <laughs> very resilient human beings but very fragile never forget that you wake up every day reminding yourself that you might survive something outrageous like being run over by an 18-wheeler but you might also <laughs> choke to death on a bologna sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You never know. There's a meme that says, no matter how I go, please just tell people I, I, I did what I, I went out doing what I wanted, fighting bears. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I know it's a gummy bear, but it's still a bear. <laughs> That's what I have in my... Uh my death planning is uh, my request is that uh, people throw awake and tell me how I died but make it a good story <laughs> you think that's it's a fun way to go out let someone make up a fishtail for me they my friends and I do that as a game just as a random aside whenever we're there's a lull in the conversation how did Amy die <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hmm. How did Amy die? Let me think. Hmm. I'm study on this one. I have a funny story to tell about that. Um, I actually broke my hand. I broke two bones in my hand hugging someone once. <laughs> a little over eager. So Yes, they had they moved to Florida. They stayed there for probably a decade and they moved back. And the day that we went to hang out for the first time since they moved back, that you we it was um my friend Eleanor's place at that point. And they see me park and open the door 
and they take off from stop still to about 65 miles an hour um i i caught them in midair and hugged them so hard i broke this bone and this bone in in my hands hugging them i just broke it right just See, like, far less badass, but because of the <laughs> generation, I leaned on the couch once and broke a rib. I was just, like, leaning. <laughs> oh, no. I know, it's terrible. Hmm. I think, I think that uh, Amy died the same way that she was born, screaming and covered in someone else's blood. So motivate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. That's my <laughs> one for more jealous. So how did Mortellus die though? That's the question. That is a question. Um I firmly believe that you would fight a bear who is threatening a small child. I would definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like a thing I would do. Something spectacular and awesome and not in service of themselves. Take that as a compliment. Good. Wasn't it just one? Oh, I don't know why that reminded me, but uh, we, <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of black bears here and they're not all that scary. They're just garbage ramblers mostly. Steal <laughs> <laughs> your trash when you're sleeping. They, they don't bother much, but uh, uh, bears, coyotes, it's it's just a thing and uh a few nights ago well it's been a, it's been a little while but recently enough that my brain went yesterday oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i asked my spouse like is the, do- is the dog outside no said, don't let the dog outside why not he's like well here's something out there <laughs> something's in the yard and uh, he goes and he opens the front door he's like i don't see anything pulls out a cell phone, turns on the light and shines it, and he just sort of backs real slow away from the door and closes it. It's like, what? What? <laughs> he says, those were eyes. They were predator eyes. <laughs> there were a lot of them. <laughs> so we're just coyotes all around the front. <laughs> He's shining the light and just illuminated all of them. I fucking told you I heard something. <laughs> I am. I, I would love to and will love would love um the what i have thought about this is the since i first read do i have to wear black like what exactly is the person who performs my autopsy going to think that i did with my life based on the scars that i have like i have i have bear claws on my arm and i've got gunshot wounds in my leg like I kind of want to donate my body to science just so people can puzzle over it. What the hell happened to this woman? Is there anything like any of the <laughs> examiners that I know? They'll they'll know. You'd be surprised the stories a body will tell. And then those are never the people. That, I mean, those are never the things that surprise people on the autopsy table. It's not the exterior of your body that's going to surprise someone. It's going to be when they get in there and find all the ways you should have died. (laughs) (laughs) That's always the thing that surprises us. And I see it in almost every body. And that's why I say bodies are resilient, but also fragile. (laughs) 
would ne you'll never get a chance to know in your life, but someone someday will cut into you and go, look, here's 20 things that should have been. <laughs> I, I autopsied a, like an 80 something, nearly 90 year old lady who died of sepsis. She got an infection and died. By all accounts, she lived a long, healthy life. But no shit, they had like five things going on that should have killed her years ago. Like, <laughs> you just ignore this your whole life. Like, you got like a gallstone the size of a golf ball blocking your duct. <laughs> it's like, is that a tumor? Yes. <laughs> how did you just keep living? You did. <laughs> No, and it's, it's weird how that happens. And then you get crazy stuff like their organs are just like mirrored. That happens occasionally. And you wouldn't know it in your life unless your heart was in the wrong place. But still people don't notice it because people think their heart is here, but it's more here in the center <laughs> of your chest, almost in the center. So you sort of lose sense of it, I guess. And you go your whole life not knowing all your organs were in the opposite position, backwards. Maybe if you got an MRI or something, you might have learned it, but... Yeah. One of... A character in a book that I love, one of their... One of the, the heroine is actually... Has her organs reversed. And I'm sure at some point this will be... Somebody tries to stab her heart and, and she'll be like, Ha, bitches! <laughs> yeah, it's in the wrong spot. And, and it's amazing the things we just don't notice about ourselves. Yes. I had this experience recently. For those playing the home game, I am a chimera. It's pretty rare, but um, I am two humans in a trench coat. I absorbed a twin weirdly when I <laughs> before I was born. Uh, usually that's very benign, but I share a lot of meat and also genetics with them. Cool, fun. Anyway, uh, I spent my whole life not knowing that my weird mole was a nipple. <laughs> so there's that. And it's pretty obviously a nipple. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I work with bodies and I didn't put that together but uh, recently I was having an ultrasound of a vein I got all paranoid that I might have a clot so I talked my doctor and just kidding <laughs> but uh, after several minutes of making quizzical faces at the screen the tech calls in another person come back out and look at it a bit man so your entire circulatory system on the left half of your body is doubled up. You get two of everything. And you can see that exteriorly. And I just never noticed. Like <laughs> nobody at home can see this, but see the vein here? Yeah. Right, right. Let's see. Two of them. Oh, wow. Yep. Two. That's fantastic. Yeah. It was there my whole life and I just never took the time to give a shit i guess <laughs> <laughs> you'll be laying on an autopsy table and a person's gonna be like you have three kidneys you just didn't know some people are just a junkyard of spare parts like myself and molly dyer of off the beaten path we often commiserate on our our junkyard of parts all the extra bits <laughs> My high priest jokes that I'm held together with bailing twine and uh, duct tape. Yes, I feel that. <laughs> I got a few. I had a few uh, things that are are holding me together that I would rather be rid of as well. I've got um, 
fun stories for those listening. I actually have a straight, <laughs> a straight pin like you'd use for sewing in my yeah. skull because one of my parents pushed it in there when I was a kid. It can't be removed. <laughs> it would probably super fuck me up to remove it, but it just lives in there. Just stuff like that in my body. But you go to go through a scanner or get an MRI or something, and you're like, I can't though, actually. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> please. I'd rather not have that come rocketing out of my eyeball or something. Yeah, that would, no, thank you. Mm. No. <laughs> necromancy. Everything's necromancy. You think about yes. it for more than five seconds. <laughs> I had to go and get an MRI because I, I damaged my elbow. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get into this positioning that they want they want me to go in superman style just arm over my head and arm tucked under my boob and then this over here and my, that arm doesn't straighten anymore i it's helped again duct tape and bealing twine just like a plastic cap in there so it looks sort of elbow-ish i mean the scars are pretty wicked from the events and so they're they're standing there the two techs are standing there debating on how to get me into the machine with my body mechanics the way they are and now the I am standing in front of you. I am still a person who can see and hear you. Um, and they're arguing over whether or not I'm allowed to get in the MRI because I still have uh, metal parts from failed experiments. Uh, they, I, I was, I was fucked up enough that I, I was medical trivia for a while. Like there are pictures of me in medical textbooks, uh, and a couple companies actually had to change their policies one of them being banal um they make the o ring with the wings that they use for knees we started using we used it for my elbow and so there's it's in textbook somewhere i was going somewhere with this oh there's still metal in my leg they uh the doctor who put me back together it was a like a 10 to 12 hour surgery just to put my parts back where they go he's a back surgeon he's his whole bread and butter is is putting backs together and so what he did is he took this little mouse shaped um battery about the size of the end of your thumb and he got permission from whoever was giving permission at that point um because it wasn't me uh they got permission to implant this battery in my leg and run a wire to one bone and a wire to the other bone to get the bones to grow back together because there's no bone in there anymore. It's just gravel at that point. They're like, well, we'll give it a shot. And so they tried. It didn't work. It was a great plan, though. It could have totally worked. It was just too badly damaged. Um, they actually had to go back and do another surgery, and that didn't work, and a whole lot more things. But they actually they were able to take the battery back out, but the bone that was there had grown over the copper wiring that wired the battery to my bones so there's still copper bits in there right i had to stand there and argue about whether or not i was allowed to get in the mri machine when they can see on the screen that i've had you know 57 mris since then i had so many x-rays i should have glow in the dark and they're like arguing if this is possible for me to get in it i'm like you can see on the screen that it is possible because i got them here <laughs> they still had to call this poor guy at home to get permission to put me in the thing oh my gosh I'm <laughs> 
really asked to, to me to open the door and so i did but she stopped to look i think she wants me to go and let her out of the building <laughs> and it's like okay let's figure out what you're going here because she's still in her in her ducky jammies <laughs> but nobody's barking outside so i think she's just going to maneuver around outside <laughs> it's just the cutest thing ever this little her little jingle jangle collar and her rubber ducky jammies <laughs> Um, while we're while we're talking, since we're coming up on Samhain, Halloween, and Hallows and all, um, I have a favorite little ritual I do this time of year that I thought your listeners might enjoy. That would make me very happy. It's an awesome Hallows ritual because you can do it as a group or you can do it all by yourself. So here's the trick. You dress yourself like you think your family would if you died. Go through your clothes and pick out the outfit you think your mom would put on your corpse. <laughs> put your high schoolist photo into a frame. <laughs> Someone else is running this funeral, by the way. So find the picture you think they would put on the little sag table. Which one is next to your obituary? Put that in a frame, put it on your altar, get a bouquet of your own favorite flowers, put it on the altar box tissues, all that happy stuff. This is your funeral after all. Write yourself a eulogy. And for your ritual, sit down in front of your altar and light a candle, look at the picture of yourself and you read the eulogy for you. Read that you would have written or that they're writing? That you wrote. Okay. Writing a eulogy about who you are and the life that you've lived and, and your accomplishments, the things that you've done. Really think about yourself in that context and read that eulogy like you're standing there at a funeral. Then take a few moments just meditatively to lay down on the floor or your couch or whatever surface you have and stay in ye old classic corpse pose for a while. If you've ever done yoga, you know that just laying there limply is the corpse pose. Give yourself a few moments in that space, and when you're done with it, your ritual could be over when you blow out your candle, but it can be a really useful exercise to kind of think about what that looks like for yourself, and to write yourself a eulogy, I think can be really powerful work, so it's something I like to do every year at Hallows. That's so, not just important, but impactful, because it's something I want to plan anyway, something, you know, I've, I've thought of. I love the suggestion to update it at Yule. Uh, not at Yule. I mean, at my Yule, maybe. <laughs> but it's how to update your your little death packet yeah. that you need. And what would it look like? What would it have in it? And uh, it makes happy is the wrong word, but I feel seen because I'd be the one writing it. Mm-hmm. Funny. Um, it's not funny. And I this will be like, content warning for this episode I guess probably but um I'm a suicide survivor obviously talk about that kind of often and one of the things that really keeps me going when when it's hard and depression can be a beast even when your life is wonderful and happy those moments still creep up and uh, one of the things that really keeps me going is that eulogy and updating my obituary because I tell myself it's not cool enough I really have a lot more I need to do you know, that obituary would be much cooler if I could list my grandkids or like five or six more books. And, you know, I had to keep working on it till I get it right. Exactly. 
And I find that sort of weirdly hopeful. <laughs> it's goofy, I know, but but it's one of those things that kind of keeps me going. And yeah, I have my obituary, which I update often and keep it keep it updated for myself and in case I get dead. I have a little envelope on my desk labeled in case I get dead. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot. I think I <laughs> But I'll read it to you and your listeners if you want. I would love that. That would be very awesome. Then take that and use it to write your own. The um, obituary has a particular format. So it can be useful to kind of see what it is. If I can find it for you. Where is it gone? In loving memory of myself. I've been a person of many names, but those most dear to me were spouse to the man I loved, mother to my children, witch and friend. Why am I writing these words? Because I didn't want anyone else saying I passed on or left or transitioned anywhere. I died, I'm dead. I lived a colorful life with precious few regrets, spent largely in the pursuit of knowledge. I wasn't always the easiest person to get close to, but if you managed it, I loved you with all that I was. People said they loved my strength, my honesty, and often those were the things they couldn't stand the most about me as well. There were many things I was passionate about. How could I possibly share them all? But most of all, I wanted all who knew me to feel changed for the better by us having crossed paths. Death came to be my great calling, and I didn't want anyone to approach those dread doors with trepidation. Know that if I have a single thing to say about it, I'll be waiting just on the other side of the veil, should you need me, and I'll be ready to walk with you into the darkness when your time comes. I was never one for forgiveness. If you were cruel to me in life, do not grieve me in death. For those who are a part of my journey, thank you. You had my love. My heart spent its last moment breaking, knowing that I had to leave behind my best friend, Joseph, in this lonely world. I loved you with a desperate and fierce kind of love. It burned with such fire that I hope that it keeps you warm to the end of your days. To my children, I loved you all with every ounce of my being. I will not say that I am survived by my family. I survived them. Don't spare them your tears. To them, I died a long time ago. I do, however, leave behind one sister who tried to make a family with what we were given. And it meant so much that you, of all of them, took the time to see me. And now comes the time for me to say my last goodbye. Death is only the end if you assume the story is about you. Make the rest of the story great, everyone. I miss you already. I love you. 
Y'all can't see this, but they have my cell phone mute because I'm crying. It's always hard for me to get over the part about my spouse and children without tearing up because that's all we can hope is that we light a fire in someone's life that can keep them warm when they're no longer in it. Yes. Or to make them mad enough that the anger just keeps them <laughs> going, you know? <laughs> probably a few of those <laughs> yeah i am um... but write your write your obituary write your eulogy it can, it can be a really powerful thing and it's a great kind of magic to to take into your hallows and it's such a small thing and you can do it alone or your whole coven can get together and take turns reading each other's eulogies and, and bring tissues bring tissues I re also really wanted to thank you for your class on salt. Oh, so glad you came. I love because that. that was amazing. Uh, I, I joke with a friend who, another friend who's an instructor. And we joke that the things that people need to see or hear or read the most is the one they fucking want. <laughs> and so I really think that your, your salt class is something that everybody should take um even for just the salt that we honor in that class and that was one of the most powerful classes rituals lectures whatever you want to call it that i have ever in four or four years um and i want to thank you for that experience thank you that means a lot to me really and uh it's one of my favorite to teach. And I think that it, it sounds like a weird thing, right? Like we, we think we, <laughs> we know what salt's about. Why would we take this class? And um, I feel like I kind of have to have to poke and prod people <laughs> to try it. And, and it's not one I could really post for people to go back and watch because it's such a liminal space, intimate thing. Yeah. And that's why I, I try and offer it every few months so that people have a chance to, to be a part of it. And Maybe next time it comes up, anybody listening will give it a shot because you might be surprised what you find in there. Uh, I know that you frequently post when you're doing classes. Uh, are you still doing that with your mailing list? Can see people subscribe to a mailing list and can be notified. Yes. Uh, you can do that at the, the bottom of my website. There's a little subscribe link and any email you get from it, I'm personally writing and I so rarely send them out. I don't, it's not an everyday thing. You're not getting a bunch of junk mail, but um, I try and put relevant updates in there. And uh, recently I introduced something new on my website. I, uh, I've always made it possible for people to ask if, if there's something I have and you need it and you have a financial barrier, just ask me, I'll make sure you get it. But um, that in and of itself can be hard to do sometimes. So um, I did add some tiered pricing to my website. I've not quite figured it out for every item. It's it's a little quirky to get my website to agree with the, <laughs> the setup, but uh, you can choose a price um, for, for the items you're getting. And um, the lowest tier is zero profit for me whatsoever. So anything over the bottom tier is income that I will receive for myself and my family. Um, and for workshops, uh, there is a ticket price, but 
there's a second ticketing option now that will allow you to set your own price for classes, which can be as low as zero with no penalty to you whatsoever. So don't hesitate to use that if you need to. But if you can afford it and you're feeling benevolent, you can also use that option to pay more than the regular price to offset some of the folks who, who didn't have that, that uh, benefit to them. So have a couple of um, couple classes coming up in the next few weeks, actually. Aside from PanPaircon, I'm doing a workshop on the 14th of October. It's mediumship for non-mediums, so that's fun. And uh, I do a spirit board class, which talks quite a lot about uh, working with spirit boards by yourself, which I don't think we talk about enough. And that's coming up on the 28th. So fun stuff. And those are both Fridays. Yes. I just looked. <laughs> Normally I do classes on Saturdays, but a few people had asked if I would do a Friday class. So I, I threw them in there to, to give other folks a chance to, <clears throat> to get in there. Fantastic. Yeah. Is there a way for people to check you out on the Panparacon website or? Yes. Um, if you go to panparacon.com and that's, Pan like a frying pan and para like paranormal con, C-O-N, panparacon.com. Um, and there's the links there to uh, the schedule and so on. On Friday, I'm on a panel with some really fabulous people uh, talking about identity. And on Saturday, I'll be teaching a class on identifying incorporeal beings. Um, and there are some other really amazing classes that day. Iris Anya Moon is teaching a class, among other fine folks, Cassandra Snow and other people you will recognize immediately. But uh, it's, it really is one of my favorite events, and I, I love the organizers to death. There are so few events that I just feel are completely within their integrity and doing the very best they can. This is one of them. So. Fantastic. Oh wait, that's what that's this weekend. It is, yes. <laughs> I keep. I don't even it. know when this will go up, but it may be passed by the time people are listening. No, the minute the minute we get off here, I'll upload it because I don't edit anything because I feel like <laughs> a it's more authentic and b I have no idea what I'm doing. If someone wanted to volunteer, like that's fine, but I have no idea what I'm doing. We'll just be big dorks. It's fine. It's fine. I prefer it. <laughs> oh, I uh, I do have one other class in November. I'll be doing an osteomancy workshop. It's been a while since I did that class, but when is that? Um, it's the nineteenth of November. I'm putting that on my schedule. Oh, I'll be in New Jersey signing books. Boo, boo, boo! I don't have any classes in in uh, December. It's just too hard, but uh, it's too hard for everybody, not just me. But um, I'll put some new workshops up in January and try and keep a few things going for folks. Well, I am definitely interested in the osteomancy class. So when it's available again, I will definitely make some time. Yeah. I try, I do my best to record and post when it's not a class that's super personal. And I, like you, I'm terrible at editing these things. And I'm, I have no co-host usually for workshops. So I'm doing everything by myself and I often just mess them up. And <laughs> will, but if they're available, I try and put them up online and if they're not, then it's, I do try to yeah. offer them again pretty regularly, but here we are. 
Well, I feel like we are winding down. And so I just want to thank you again for spending some time with me today. Up to almost three hours with me today. Oh my gosh. Uh, I always, always enjoy chatting. Always. It just brings me back to center. I did want to ask you. I'm putting you on the spot, I guess. Yay! Um, I hope you did not hate me for all the glitter I put in that box. <laughs> oh, that made me so happy. Oh my gosh. So I got exactly one gift for my birthday this year. And it was like on, on my birthday, actual birthday. Um, and it was the best thing ever um, if, that anyone could have ever given me. Um, I had told a story about my sharing a birthday all every year growing up with my older sister and that it was painful that it felt like I had been my birthday had been given to someone else and a few days before my the day of my birth a box showed up in the in the mail and of course I'm holding on to it because I know that this is likely going to be the only thing I open on my birthday and so I waited and I and I went through with the whole ridiculous day and I said I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait until evening when people open presents in my family um you know there's dinner and then there's cake and there's presents and i'm gonna i'm gonna have a day and i open this box and not only is there an incredibly thoughtful um commission certificate for vandal heart studio um there's cake and there's glitter and there's giant like really chunky confetti and there's unicorn ears that i have pictures of millie wearing i wore them too but i have pictures of millie this gorgeous silver blue pit bull wearing unicorn horn and little tiny ears and it's the probably the cutest thing on this planet and i may have to add that photo to my facebook because <laughs> it's just the cutest thing in the history of things so i think i shall uh, endeavor to go make a mug cake out of the spectacular cakes that were arrived in the mail i uh i confess the twins had a lot to do with that they were like you have to send a pinata they picked out the pinata and the unicorn horns the best all of my actual favorite candy in the whole world those vanilla ones are (laughs) the best the the fruit tootsie rolls for anyone (laughs) (laughs) they're the best thing ever yes they're awesome um yes my uh the lovely vandal heart is waiting to hear what you want they're very excited dear Dorian. um yeah spreading some love and art in the world i thought would be fun and i know i know birthdays can be hard i've been there every year (laughs) every single year and i was so delighted by the, the beautiful illustration you sent me and pretzels and fun things and it's take that home with you everybody listening send a send a card or something to somebody it's such a delight to get something in the mail and be remembered and it takes like zero effort yeah to be kind and bring some light into someone's day i don't you're gonna have to help me because i have no idea what to ask for it's like someone give, handing you a golden ticket and telling you, you can have anything <laughs> you want and it's like but what do i want <laughs> i told my spouse that i would love to see him do like a like an avatar portrait of you i think that would be super fun oh my god that would be amazing yes i i love that trend of like commissioning an artist to draw you for your like avatar photos on websites yes i think that's so fun and we don't do enough in the world to support artists generally so anything that just encourages people to think about that kind of thing i think is great it's, it's 
fun. That'd be amazing. <laughs> it could be anything. It could be a deity illustration or whatever. Whatever you wanted. A moth with a big old booty. <laughs> <laughs> so peeking over the shoulder with a little like being very just, silly right now for everybody yes. <laughs> i'm i might have to ask for permission to tattoo that on my person somewhere <laughs> yes 10 out of 10 would do <laughs> so it says oh what did you do in salem oh i got a, a tiny little mothman tattooed on my person it's a little butt. got a big old butt <laughs> oh my goodness, oh my goodness. <laughs> might i say it's your your fab- fabulous listeners that I'm I'm always so honored to be here and it's it's a pleasure to chat and be a part of what you're doing it's so funny because we we do so many podcasts to promote our books and whatnot and it's so lovely just to be able to sit and talk and be a person for a bit Agreed. because there are so many really lovely podcasts that you never hear from again and it's like yeah I wonder how they're doing and it's getting to check back in with you makes me so happy yeah, I think that's fun. And I let's let's start that trend, right? Like Yes. Let's do some conversational kind of things. I love hearing those are the ones I like to listen to, really. It's people rambling on just being themselves. I think that's even it's human and it's real. Yeah. I um those of you who are listening, we uh we joked about inviting Molly Dyer to come and visit. Who, which I did, I actually texted the, her to say, hey, do you want to come and hang out with us? Um, sadly, she is indisposed at the moment, but I did say we would say wonderful things about how loved she is and make her feel awesome and seen and heard and felt and all that beautiful things. Molly is fantastic. I always enjoy being on the show. She never fails to bring out the actual worst in me. Just like, if you want to hear me being ridiculous, that's the place to go. <laughs> And so, in honor of your salt glass, I just had a little little nibble of the, the salt that I used for my altar space for that class to remember some of the awesome things that we shared. That was nice. Here, I'll do the same. Yay. Oh, I, it's totally your fault, and I'm not even sorry. I ordered the, um, the, the pearl salt from... Yes. Yes. So at some point it will arrive and I will send you a ridiculous video of me tasting the most magical salt on earth. It is so magical. I love that salt and it's I don't know. I can't I can't talk about it without going into like the whole thing, but <laughs> I will save that for people who have the um the love and trust and desire to take the salt class because I think that's probably one of the favorite parts. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a really powerful thing if you take the time for it. So everyone listening, you got to be there next time. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> well, I will say thank you very much. It's wordtellus.com. Um, Please check out their website and all the amazing things that they offer. And they're literary accomplishments just they're they're a fabulous human i i want more people to know you as a person like we don't we don't get to see authors as people very often and you're one of my favorite peoples it's very kind thank you and it's definitely a mutual feeling i think we 
that's something your listeners should be asking for. Go tweet at your favorite podcasts and say, hey, we want to <laughs> we want to hear authors being who they are and not who their PR people needed to be. Right, exactly. <laughs> not that I've ever been good at that really, but I'm actually terrible at being my own salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> But, but it's a thing, right? Like you, you got to talk about books and talk about things. And I want to know what everybody's favorite cereal is. And I want to hear about the song you sing to your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that stuff. That's what I want to hear. But, but thank you again for having me. And I, I've taken up so much of your time today. I feel terrible, but. No, 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 no. It was, it was my favorite thing. Matter of fact, I have a, an anecdote I will share with you after I, I hit end. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in to the Blackburn Grove, and I really appreciate you. Uh, remember, we're all trees in the forest. Nurture each other. Remember, we're all trees in the forest. Nurture each other. <laughs>